Good afternoon. Hello, hello, hello. And welcome, welcome. And thank you for joining me for chapter two of Five Go to Smuggler's Top. <laughs> so here goes. Chapter two is called A Shock in the Night. It was so nice to climb up the steep stairs to their familiar bedrooms that night. All the children were yawning widely. Their long train journey had tired them. Oh, if only this awful wind would stop, said Anne, pulling the curtain aside and looking out into the night. There's a little moon, George. It keeps bobbing out between the scurrying clouds. Oh, I'll let it bob, said George, scrambling into bed. I'm jolly cold. Hurry up, Anne, or you'll catch a chill at that window. Don't the waves make a noise, said Anne, still at the window. And the gale in the old ash tree is making a whistling, howling sound and bending it right over. Timmy, hurry up and get on my bed, commanded George, screwing up her cold toes. That's one good thing about being at home, Anne. I can have Timmy on my bed. He's far better than a hot water bottle. You're not supposed to have him on your bed at home any more than you are supposed to at school, said Anne, curling up in bed. Aunt Fanny thinks he sleeps in his basket over there. Well, I can't stop him coming on my bed at night, can I, if he doesn't want to sleep in his basket, said George. Oh, that's right, Timmy, darling. Make my feet warm. Where's your nose? Let me pat it. Good night, Tim. Good night, Anne. Good night, said Anne sleepily. I hope that sooty boy comes, don't you? He sounds fun. Yes, and anyway, father would stay in with Mr. Lenoir, Le the boy's father, and not come out with us, said George. Father doesn't mean to, but he does spoil things somehow. He's not very good at laughing, said Anne. He's too serious. A loud bang made both girls jump. Oh, that's the bathroom door, said George with a groan. One of the boys must have left it open. That's the sort of noise that drives father mad. Oh, there it goes again. Well, let Julian or Dick shut it, said Anne, who was now beginning to feel nice and warm. Uh, but Julian and Dick were thinking that George or Anne might shut it, so nobody got out of bed to see to the banging door. Very soon, Uncle Quentin's voice roared up the stairs, louder than the gale. Shut that door, one of you! How can I work with that noise going on? All four children jumped out of bed like a shot. Timmy leapt off George's bed. Everyone fell over him as they rushed to the bathroom door. There was a lot of giggling and scuffling. Then Uncle Quentin's footsteps were heard on the stairs and the five fled silently to their rooms. The gale still roared. Uncle Quentin and Aunt Fanny came up to bed. The bedroom door flew out of Uncle Quentin's hand and slammed itself shut so violently that a vase leapt off a nearby shelf. Uncle Quentin leapt too, startled. This wretched gale, he said fiercely. Never known one like it all the time we've been here. If it gets much worse, the fishermen's boats will be smashed up, even though they've pulled them up as high as they can. 
It will plow itself out soon, dear, said Aunt Fanny soothingly. Probably by the time morning comes, it will be quite calm. But she was wrong. The gale did not blow itself out that night. Instead, it raged around the house even more fiercely, shrieking and howling like a live thing. Nobody could sleep. Timmy kept up a continuous low growling, for he did not like the shakes and rattles and howls. Towards dawn, the wind seemed in a fury. Anne thought it sounded as if it was in a horrible temper, out to do all the harm it could. She lay and trembled, half frightened. Suddenly there was a strange noise. It was a loud and woeful croning and creaking, like someone in great pain. The two girls sat up, terrified. What could it be? The boys heard it too. Julian leapt out of bed and ran to the window. Outside stood the old ash tree, tall and black in the fitful moonlight. It was gradually bending over. "'It's the ash! It's falling!' yelled Julian, almost startling Dick out of his wits. "'It's falling, I tell you! It'll crash on the house! Quick, warn the girls!' Shouting at the top of his voice, Julian raced out of his door onto the landing. "'Uncle, Aunt, George and Anne, come downstairs quickly! The ash tree is falling!' George jumped out of bed, snatched at her dressing gown and raced to the door, yelling to Anne. The little girl was soon with her. Timmy ran in front. At the door of Aunt Fanny's bedroom, Uncle Quentin appeared, tall and amazed, wrapping his dressing gown around him. "'What's all this noise? Julian! What's Aunt Fanny? Come downstairs! The ash tree is falling! Listen to its terrible groans and creaks!' yelled Julian." almost beside himself with impatience. It'll smash in the roof and the bedrooms. Listen, here it comes. Everyone fled downstairs as, with an appalling wail, the great ash tree hauled up its roots and fell heavily onto Kiran Cottage. There was a terrible crash and the sound of tiles slipping to the ground everywhere. Oh dear, said poor Aunt Fanny, covering her eyes. I knew something would happen. Quentin, we ought to have had the dash, that ash tree topped. I knew it would fall in a great gale like this. What has it done to the roof? After the great crash, there had come other smaller noises, sounds of things falling, thuds and little smashing noises. The children could not imagine what was happening. Timmy was thoroughly angry and barked loudly. Uncle Quentin slapped his hand angrily on the table and made everyone jump. Stop that dog barking, I'll turn him out. But nothing would stop Timmy barking or growling that night. And George at last pushed him into the warm kitchen and shut the door on him. I feel like barking or growling myself, said Anne, who knew exactly what Timmy felt like. Julian, has the tree broken in the roof? Uncle Quentin took a powerful torch and went carefully up the stairs to the landing to see what damage had been done. He came down looking rather pale. The tree has crashed through the attic, smashed the roof in and wrecked the girls' bedroom, he said. 
A big branch has penetrated the boy's room too, but not badly. But the girl's room is ruined. They would have been killed if they'd been in their beds. Everyone was silent. It was an awful thought that Jordan Anne had had such a narrow escape. Good thing I yelled my head off to warn them then, said Julian, cheerfully, seeing how white Anne had gone. Cheer up, Anne. Think what a tale you'll have to tell at school next term. I think some hot cocoa would do us all good, said Aunt Fanny, pulling herself together, though she felt very shaken. I'll go and make some, Quentin, see if the fire is still alight in your study. We want a little warmth. The fire was still alight. Everyone crowded round it. They welcomed Aunt Fanny when she came in with some steaming milky cocoa. Anne looked curiously around the room as she sat sipping her drink. This was where her uncle did his work, his very clever work. He wrote his difficult books here, books which Anne did not understand at all. He drew his weird diagrams here and made many strange experiments. But just at that moment, Uncle Quentin did not look very clever. He looked rather ashamed somehow. Anne soon knew why. Quentin, it is a mercy none of us was hurt or killed, said Aunt Fanny, looking at him rather sternly. I told you a dozen times you should get that ash tree topped. I knew it was too big and heavy to withstand a great gale. I was always afraid it would blow down on the house. Yes, I know, my dear said Uncle Quentin, stirring his cup of cocoa very vigorously. But I was so busy these last few months. You always make that an excuse for not doing urgent things, said Aunt Fanny with a sigh. I shall have to manage things myself in future. I can't risk our lives like this. Well, a thing like this would only happen once in a blue moon, cried Un Uncle Quentin, getting angry. Then he calmed down, seeing that Aunt Fanny really was shocked and upset and very near to tears. He put down his cocoa and slipped his arm around her. You've had a terrible shock, he said. Don't you worry about things. Maybe they won't be so bad when morning comes. Oh, Quentin, they'll be much worse, said his wife. Where shall we sleep tonight, all of us? And what shall we do till the roof and upstairs rooms are repaired? The children have only just come home. The house will be full of workmen for weeks. I don't know how I'm going to manage. Leave it all to me, said Uncle Quentin. I'll settle everything. Don't worry. I'm sorry about this, very sorry, particularly as it's my fault. But I'll straighten things out for everyone, you see. Aunt Fanny didn't really believe him, but she was grateful for his comforting. The children listened in silence, drinking their hot cocoa. Uncle Quentin was so very clever and knew so many things, but it was so like him to neglect something urgent like cutting off the top of the old ash tree. Sometimes he didn't even seemed to live in this world at all. It was no use going up to bed. The rooms upstairs were either completely ruined or so messed up with bits and pieces and clouds of dust that it was impossible to sleep there. Aunt Fanny began to pile rugs on sofas. There was one in the study, a big one in the sitting room and a smaller one in the dining room. 
She found a camp bed in a cupboard and, with Julian's help, put that up too. We'll just have to do the best we can, she said. There isn't much left of the night, but we'll get a little sleep if we can. The gale is not nearly so wild now. No, it's done all the damage it can, so it's satisfied, said Uncle Quentin grimly. Well, we'll talk things over in the morning. The children found it very difficult to go to sleep after such an excitement, tired though they were. Anne felt worried. How could they all stay at Kieran Cottage now? It wouldn't be fair on Aunt Fanny, but they couldn't go home because her father and mother were both away, and the house was shut up for a month. I hope we shan't be sent back to school, thought Anne, trying to get comfortable on the sofa. I'd be too awful after having left there and starting off so cheerfully for the holidays. George was afraid of that too. She felt sure that they would all be packed back to their schools the next morning. That would mean that she and Anne wouldn't see Julian and Dick any more these holidays, for the boys, of course, went to a different school. Timmy was the only one who didn't worry about things. He lay on George's feet, snoring a little, quite happy. So long as he was with George, he didn't really mind where he went. Oh dear, that is not a good thing, is it? Uh, so we have chapter three tomorrow and maybe we'll find out what happens where they go because it sure is going to be very very difficult to um stay in a house that's been wrecked by a tree how scary but at least they're all okay so come back and join me tomorrow and We'll read chapter three and find out what happens next. <laughs> okay, so bye. Make sure you take care and stay safe. I forgot that bit nearly. <laughs> and just have a lovely day. Okay, see you tomorrow. Bye for now.